Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, old sports, and welcome to yet another episode of the Hello, Old Sports podcast on the Sports History Network. Uh, before we begin, I'd just like to remind you all to uh, find us on Facebook at Hello Old Sports Podcast. You can uh, email the show at HelloOldSports at gmail.com. Please uh, like and uh, rate and review and follow us on your podcast app of choice. If podcast apps aren't your thing, you can also check us out on YouTube. Just uh, do the same thing. Search for Hello Old Sports Podcast. So, Lots of ways to find us, and I'd also encourage you just to check out uh, some of the other great shows on the Hello World, or I'm sorry, on the Sports History Network. Uh, we've got you know new ones being added, uh, you know, every month or so. So we're really, really happy about the the growth. Andrew and I have been doing this podcast for just about three years on the Sports History Network, and really glad to um, really glad to to be a part of it and to get to know some really great guys who are doing their own really great sports podcasts. And if you check out the website, you can also. Uh, buy some gear you can buy a hat or a t-shirt or a mug with the hello old sports uh hello old sports logo on us and uh show us your support so andrew uh how are you doing tonight doing well dan we uh just recorded the al east episode so we're on to number six the nl west um had a very uh seasonably warm day unseasonably warm day here in in new york or in connecticut today geez i'm not in new york anymore so we're talking about baseball it still feels like summer at least today it did so uh i'm excited although i gotta be honest a couple of these teams we're going to talk about tonight are going to enrage me one in particular and when we get to it i'll go over it It, it's it was enraging putting this team together and not necessarily who you would think so yeah, this is our starting nine for uh, the five teams in the National League West. We've done the other five divisions. You've heard them all. If you haven't heard them all, check them out. And uh, at the end, we're going to rank the rank the six uh, six division winners one to six. So, uh, Andrew, uh, I believe you went first last time. So I don't. Why don't I? Uh, why don't I kick it off uh, this time? Yeah, that works. All right, so I'm I'm going to start right off with a with a with a fun one here, right off with one of the big ones. So I'm going to go with the San Francisco mm-hmm. Giants, and I uh, okay. my star- my starting nine was, uh, and this of course is not only the San Francisco Giants but also the New York Giants of uh, the late 19th and uh, first half of the 20th century. So I'm going to go with uh, Buster Posey, Willie McCovey, Jeff Kent, at third base Frankie Frisch. Shortstop, I went all the way back uh, to George Davis. And then my outfielders, Willie Mays, Barry Bonds, Mel Ott, and Christy Mathewson. All right. So we were a little off on the infield. So catcher is Posey. There's no question there. 
First baseman is Willie McCovey. I had him. The outfield, a strong outfield, by the way. Mel Ott, Willie Mays, Barry Bonds. Pitcher is Christy Matthewson. Can you give me your infield again? So I mentioned McCovey. Second, second short, second short third. Jeff Kent at second base, Frankie Frisch at third, George Davis at short. So it's funny because we I have some older guys mixed in there. Um, second base, I have Larry Doyle. Shortstop, I have Travis Jackson. And then third base, I have Matt Williams. So pick one and we'll go over it and we'll see. All right. Well, let's go around the horn. You had Larry Doyle at second base. I had Jeff Kent. I should have known you were going to have Jeff Kent. Why? You love Jeff Kent. I always talk about Jeff Kent. Yeah, every year when we do our Hall of Fame episode, I talk about the Hall of Fame candidacy of Jeff Kent. You talk about him when we like the episode we do on like we do an episode on boxing and you find a way to talk about Jeff Kent. I think that's only because Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds almost fought a couple of times. Uh, So Jeff Kent, only six years, a 31.4 war compared to uh, Larry Doyle, 13 years and a 42.8 war. He had a 297 average compared to 292 for Doyle. Uh, steals, obviously, uh, Doyle's Doyle's going to be way ahead in that 291 to 57. And then 175 home runs. It's not really a fair comparison with Larry Doyle because the MVP award wasn't necessarily around in those days. But Jeff Kent won an MVP in, I believe, 2000 was his MVP with the Giants, and that was right before uh, that was right before Bonds started winning them. Yeah, was on the team up through the 02 World Series year when he departed for the Houston Astros after uh, sort of not getting along with with Bonds, like we talked about. Five time All Star, so that to me is the case for Jeff Kent. Maybe there's a little bit of uh of recency bias on my part there, but I feel like there were a couple years where he was really, and I, I, I should, I should correct myself here. The MVP You're award stealing my thunder. Go ahead. He won the Chalmers award in 1912. He won the Chalmers award. The giants won the pennant that year, by the way, he came in third in 1911 and then 17th in 1913. So he did win the award one year. He did. Yeah. And that was sort of when it was a a very strange thing. Like there were years when both leagues would have an MVP award. There were years when only one league would have an MVP award in the twenties. The rule was if you won it once, you couldn't win it again. So that's why Babe Ruth was Mm. an MVP in 1927. So more years with the team uh, won a batting title in that same year, left the team for the Cubs for a year and a half. And then, came back i've mentioned before but i use this great book uh, now taking the field baseball's all-time dream teams for all 30 franchises by a gentleman by the name of tom stone let me see where he went with this at Doyle, by the way 10th in war in giants franchise history 42.7 kent down at 31.6 now i know kent played less years but that's uh that bears mentioning so he did go Kent over Doyle, uh, but, you know, I I can go with Doyle. Doyle, you know, he was on the Giants a lot longer than Jeff Kent. He did, did win that MVP award such as it was 
And there were a lot of, you know, you know, he finished above that year. Such guys as, as Honus Wagner, Joe Tinker, his, some of his own teammates, uh, Rube Marquard, Christy Mathewson. So I think it's close. It's very hard to compare guys so far apart, almost a century apart who played, you know, had different strengths, played in different cities, all that stuff. But I am comfortable to give in on uh, on Larry Doyle. Okay. So what's next? Shortstop? Yeah, let's go with shortstop. I went all the way back to George Davis. And where did you go? I went with Travis Jackson. So Davis was on the team in the late 19th century, 1893 to 1901. Jackson, Hall of Famer, um, played with the team for a long time, 22 to 36. He was elected by the Veterans Committee in 82. He's another one of those questionable Veterans Committee elections of the uh, 20s and I'm sorry, of the of the 70s and 80s. War is close. Uh, 44.0 for Jackson, 44.5 for Davis. Davis does it in five fewer years. His batting average while with the Giants is 40 points higher, 332 to 291. Davis, for what this is worth, also steals 357 bases compared to Jackson's 70. Uh, what is this? Jackson's 71. So I... I lean towards I lean towards George Davis here just based on the numbers. I don't claim to be a great expert in the career of either guy, but it does seem like the numbers favor Davis just a little bit. And I'm assuming was he considered one of the best players of that particular era? I think so. He's not in the Hall of Fame, but then again, Travis Jackson probably shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame either. Uh, my guess is he was more esteemed in his time than Travis mm-hmm. Jackson was in his. Not not that Travis Jackson was a bad player by any means, but we're talking about the 20s and 30s. And even with his in, in his own team, you know, there were guys like Mel Ott, Bill Terry, who were much more well regarded in the public eye than than Travis Jackson was. So I think if you're okay with it, I will stick with Davis on that one. All right. And then third base, you had who Frankie Frisch. Frisch. Yeah. And so this was one that surprised me because I, I, he was one that I had thought, okay, it's going to be an automatic Frisch goes there. Was a little surprised. He only plays how many full seasons there? Six full seasons, seven full seasons. I guess if you count 1919, his do you have the if you have the franchise stats up, I'm trying to pull them up, too. But I I felt I kind of went with Williams and surprised myself a little bit just when I looked at the. When I ended up looking at the. The stats, Williams with a career war with the Giants of thirty four point one Frisch's is thirty eight point one. So just above there. Um, batting average, Frisch is fifth. So a lot of these do seem to favor Frisch. I think Williams, from a power standpoint, obviously is gonna, you know, gonna dominate that discussion. I know Frisch is a Hall of Famer, so you know it, it probably does tilt towards Frisch. I I guess. 
yeah, you're right about Williams. His case is probably stronger than some people might think. Frisch also his best years are probably in St. Louis. He actually gets traded. That's before the, the other thing. Yeah, he actually gets traded before the 1927 season uh, to the to the Cardinals for Rogers Hornsby, a, you know, legendary uh, infielder in his own right. Hornsby lasts one year with the Giants before moving on to the Cubs and some other places to close out his career. So I agree, but maybe the combination of the championships because Frisch won at least uh at least one title with the Giants. Yeah, 20. He was there in 22 and 20 or 21 and 22. So won a couple of titles with them and wow. also is in the Hall of Fame. He, here's why I think I actually went with went the way I went is not because of that. Frisch was primarily not a third baseman with he, the Giants. He was he he played uh, twice as many games at third as he did at second. I'm sorry, twice as many games at second as he did did at third. That's why I didn't end up going with Frisch, and then I went with Doyle just because I thought Doyle's body of work was stronger at second base. So. Obviously, you can, you know, you can put Frisch there. That was the reason now that I'm remembering. That was the reason I didn't go with him initially. Do you want to, since we didn't feel too strongly about our second base pick, do you want to put Williams third and move Frisch to second? Would you be good with that? Yeah, why don't we do that? All right. So Frisch. So the infield, so the infield is Frisch at second, George Davis at short, Matt Williams at third. Yes. So our right. final giant lineup, Buster Posey, Willie McCovey, Frankie Frisch, Matt Williams, George Davis, Willie Mays, Barry Bonds, Mel Ott and Christy Matthewson. A good mix. You got how many guys that were exclusively San Francisco guys? You got four guys that were San Francisco guys. You got four guys that knew you were New York guys. And then you got Mays, who was both. So it's a good split. And we spent a lot of time on the parts we disagreed with, second, short, third. I just want to pause for a second and talk about how phenomenal this outfield is. Mel Ott, Willie Mays, Barry Bonds, and then also down at the bottom to the pitcher, Christy Mathewson, one of the best pitchers of all time, clearly the best pitcher of his era. So it's definitely a very strong team, even though we kind of focused on the guys who maybe are towards the bottom in terms of uh, greatness. Yeah, no, this is this is a solid team. This we will discuss this team further later, I am sure. All right, I'm going to go with the Rockies. I feel like if we go with the Dodgers right away, it kind of uh, ruins it. Catcher, I have Chris Iannetta, first baseman, Todd Helton, second baseman, DJ LeMayhew, shortstop, Troy Tulowitzki, third base, Nolan Arenado, Outfielder Larry Walker, Carlos Gonzalez, Matt Holiday, and then the pitcher Ubaldo Jimenez. Eight for nine. Catcher? Nope. I had Chris Ionetta. So the only place I disagreed with you, I don't know if we've had a perfect nine for nine yet. We've probably had one at some point. I think we did, but I actually and I thought I thought we were gonna get it. I had Ubaldo Jimenez as the starting uh pitcher. You had Carlos Gonzalez. I went with a contemporary of his. I went with Charlie Blackman. And that's close. That was that was one of the guys. You know, Walker obviously goes in and holl- so that the, I was I was debating between these two as well. So it's 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 a good discussion. Three all-star appearances as a Rocky for Gonzalez. 
three all four all star appearances as uh, Rocky for Charlie Blackman. Blackman wins a batting title in night or I'm sorry in 2017. Gonzalez wins a batting title in 2010. Uh, no gold gloves for Blackman. A few for uh, Carlos Gonzalez. Let's look at war. With the Rockies, 23.8 in two years for Gonzalez. With the Rockies, 20.7. And his whole, his whole career has been with the Rockies for Charlie Blackman. Maybe I leaned Blackman a little bit because he's been on the team his whole career and still is. But, yeah, this is incredibly close. Um, I guess maybe the gold gloves would just... Uh, just push Gonzalez over just a little bit for me. So I, I could, I could take that. Yep. And, and, and one thing, I, and Jimenez, again, there's not much there. Jimenez was one of the best pitchers in baseball for a very, very brief time, but it's more than you can say for basically anybody else who's been on this Rockies team at any point. You know, there's no guy who was a B plus pitcher for 10 years for them. You kind of are left with, do you go with a guy who was an A to A plus for a very short amount of time? The one thing I will say about this team, it's a pretty strong team for what they are. They've been around 30 years. They've been mostly bad. I know they made the one world series, but like, you and I mean maybe longevity because they couldn't afford to hold on to these guys. A lot of them, except Helton. But like, look at this infield: Helton, Lemayhu, Tulowitzki, Arenado, and then the outfield: Walker, Holiday. The catcher's a little weak. Starting pitcher's a little weak. But like, this is a pretty good team, all things considered. Yeah, they're like you said, they're weak in the battery and they're weak compared to some other teams. But um, yeah, it's not it's not a horrible team. We've seen worse. Yeah. Um, so we're good there. So that leaves three teams left to go. All right. So let me, I don't know if I ran through it real quick. Our final for the Colorado Rockies, Chris, Iannetta, Todd Helton, DJ LeMayhew, Nolan Arenado, Troy Tulowitzki, Matt holiday, Larry Walker, Carlos Gonzalez, and who Ubaldo Jimenez. And I am going to go to the San Diego Padres. And this gonna, was enraging. They, this was every guy on this team was on the team for two years. This, yeah. this was the most annoying. I have a note here that says every guy on this team was there for two years. This was for a team that's been around for as long as they have. I just talked about the Rockies and said this was a better. T- this Padres was, thing was infuriating to put together. So I took a first pass at this months ago when we first did this concept. And then. I went back and looked at it a day or two ago and I noticed that for the last couple, like the one I basically filled in everything I could and then was going to do more research. And the only two guys I had filled in for the Padres were Tony Gwynn and Dave Winfield. And then I needed to do some, Mm. some research on the rest of them. So here is what I came up with. And it's a lot more modern than maybe I would, would have thought Uh, catcher is Benito Santiago. In the infield, I went with Adrian Gonzalez, uh, Jake Cronenworth at second base, Manny Machado at third, Fernando Tatis at short, Tony Gwynn and Dave Winfield in the outfield, along with Ryan Klesko. And then my pitcher was Jake Peavy. All right. So we agree on six, I believe. So let me read these. So first base, Adrian Gonzalez, correct? Correct. Shortstop, Tatis Jr. 
Also correct. Third base Machado. Yep. Outfielders Gwyn Winfield, and then the pitcher is Jake Peavy. Correct. I think that um, I think there's been a few uh, a few uh, Padres that have won Cy Young awards, but the you know Gaylord Perry won it in '78. Randy Jones, Mark Davis, the only guy who was really on the team for any real meaningful period of time was PV. And that was why I went with him. So yeah, that was, that was why I went with him as the, um, he also in that, in that Cy Young award year, he also won the pitching triple crown, which is wins ERA and strikeouts, which is pretty uh, impressive. He's got uh, several years, a three in a row of over 200 strikeouts. So I went with him, even though Gaylord Perry's in the Hall of Fame. He was only in in San Diego for a couple of years. So yeah, I did go with Peavy. It sounds like we disagree at catcher, second base, and uh, one of the outfield positions. So catcher, I went with Gene Tennis. He was not there long, 77, 78, 79, 80. So he was only there for four years. He is fifth all-time in war. Uh, only behind Gwyn, Winfield, Machado, and Gonzalez among this team. He's got a 19.8 war. He was w- regarded as a very good defensive catcher as well. You know, had some years with Oakland before that. So it's not like, you know, he came in as an established player. He's the leading, he leads the franchise still in on base percentage all time. At 403, again, small sample size compared to a guy like Tony Gwynn, who sits in second. But I did go with um, with Gene Tennis. I guess the knock on him is just such a short tenure. Yeah, my case for Santiago wasn't particularly strong. He was a four-time All-Star. He was Rookie of the Year with the Padres in 1987, Won three gold glove awards. He had a really good arm uh, behind the plate. Played seven years with the Padres. And then in his other 13 season, he played on nine different teams. So he had moved around a lot other than that tenure with the Padres. In fact, he was the the catcher uh, despite his advanced age on the, the 0-2 San Francisco Giants team that made it to the Game 7 of the World Series. Yeah, based just on the the length of or the the amount of war and how much higher and the fact that his his war average is over four whereas sandy santiago's was only about two incidentally here's another catcher who won an, a world series mvp in the same time frame for some of the guys we were talking about in our last episode he did his with oakland so it doesn't factor in here he also made his only all-star team ever with oakland santiago was a an all-star a couple of times with the with the Padres. So yeah, you know, if this is really close. I was gonna say you mentioned San Diego Santiago longer, more all-star appearances. I I, I think maybe that's enough. Go I could gloves. go either way. Yeah. So why don't we do that? Why don't we go with Santiago there? Second base you went with Klesko, was that what you said? No, Klesko was in the outfield. Second oh, I'm base. Sorry, I'm sorry. Second base. I went with uh, Jake Cronenworth, who is currently on the team. He's in his fourth year with the team. He was an All Star in twenty one and twenty two. Um, in four years, his WAR with the team is eleven point five, so that's just under three a year. 
his he had two really good years in 21 and 22. He had, he did not have a great year in 2023. Missed some time. I, I assume he was probably injured. He, 20 last so his first three seasons he plays in 54 which that's the COVID year so he misses six games 152 158 and then this year he's down to 127 I I don't know exactly what happened to him but you know nothing great he's in sort of the 70s 80s for RBIs double digit home runs he was an all-star for the Padres in 21 and 22 second in rookie of the year in 2020 so Anything great? No, but I did. I, I'll be curious to see where you went with the whole thing. But I just couldn't find anything that was was as appealing as the guy who they got there. Now, I went with Roberto Alomar. He was only there three years. He was fifth in rookie of the year. He was an all star in his third year there. It looks like he still slightly got the edge on Cronenworth in WAR and. In it looks like the phase, you know, he's still up there in defensive war. He was only there a very he's still he's 11th all time in batting average. But again, three years. I get it. Obviously not known for being with the Padres. This is I actually wrote I give up in parentheses on this one because <laughs> how much time how much time are you going to going to spend on this? But that is who I went with. You know, it's funny if you look at his. Three years with the Padres and Cronenworth's three plus a COVID year. There's actually a lot of similarities. Batting average, um, his batting average with with the Padres was two eighty three, whereas Cronenworth's batting average, ah, oh, it's much lower. It's two forty nine. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely you're grading Alomar based on what he did subsequently. So I don't. To me, if you're just looking at Padres' careers, I think Cronenworth might actually have the slight edge. All right, let's go with that then. And then outfield. I went with Steve Finley. Um, Again, a relatively short period, 95 through 98. He was there. He did win two gold gloves. He was an all-star in 97. Top, he finished tenth in MVP in '96. Um, he was, you know, obviously on that '98 team that went to the World Series. He hit what? Damn near 297, 298, 261, 95 RBIs, 92 RBIs. Better after that when he went to Arizona. So he may come up again here in a few minutes. But um, I went with Finley. War was close between them. Uh, Finley, four years, 8.6. So that's like, you know, two and change. He won two gold gloves. Uh, he had over 25 homers and 90, 90 RBIs. Uh, Klesko. Okay, this might be another one of those. Klesko played more games at first than in the outfield. His His war is about the same, sort of a two and change per year. 276 versus 279. So that's really close. Home runs, Klesko's got it, but he was more of a power hitter anyway. Uh, maybe partially based on the fact that you've given in to me on the other two, and maybe partially based on the fact that Finley was a just an outfielder and won a couple gold gloves at the position, and Klesko was more of a first baseman. Maybe because of those reasons, I am uh I'm inclined to go with um 
I'm inclined to give in with you with uh with Steve Finley on this one. All right, let's go with that then. So you want to read off what we got? Sure. We got Benito Santiago, Adrian Gonzalez, Jake Cronenworth, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., Tony Gwynn, Dave Winfield, Steve Finley, and the pitcher is Jake Peavy. Incidentally, we we are we did not mention the I think one of the few Padres, the only Padre ever to win an MVP award. And that was Ken Caminiti at third base in 1996. Some of that is probably, you know, he's tarnished so much by the steroid thing, although maybe that's not fair of us to do in this particular case, only because we um, only because we, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't hesitate with other steroid guys. Here's another guy four years with the Padres. He comes over from Houston, plays four years, then goes back to Houston, but in that time, he did win gold gloves. He won three gold gloves, uh, made an all made three all star teams, and was MVP in '96 with 40 home runs and 130 RBIs. Just for the just for the heck of it, real quick here, let me just look at the WAR: uh, 17.5 for Caminiti, and then I think Machado's done a lot better than that, even just in his Padres career so far. He came over from Baltimore. Um, or he actually was with the Dodgers for half a season. Then he came over in the 19th season. So that's five years for Machado. And his five years is 31.9. Caminiti's uh, four years was 16.6. So Machado's at about a six war. Caminiti's at about a four. So we're not wrong going with Machado, but it is interesting that the only guy ever to win an MVP for the franchise it was not chosen by either one of us. Yeah, that is a good point. So we have two left. We have the Dodgers. We have the Diamondbacks. Um, obviously very different in terms of who we're going to talk about. I guess I'll go with the Dodgers and then we'll finish up with the Diamondbacks and then we'll have to rank everything. So for the Dodgers, which obviously includes the Brooklyn Dodgers, which includes the Brooklyn Robins, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, the Brooklyn 900 other things. Superbas. I have, probably not the Superbas, yes. Um, I have at catcher Roy Campanella, first base Gil Hodges. I wrote barely. Second base Jackie Robinson, shortstop Pee Wee Reese, third base Ron Say, outfield Zach Wheat, Duke Snyder, Pedro Guerrero, and then Sandy Koufax is my pitcher. When you say barely with Hodges, is that with Steve Garvey? Yeah. Yeah, I was honestly inclined to give it to Garvey because I was like, do I have too many of the boys of summer on here? And I went back and forth and I went with Hodges. Let's look at it real quick. How many, do you want to look at this first? Do you want to tell me how many we differ on? We differ on one. So, okay. Yeah, we, we differ. That on makes one. me feel like I did a decent enough job. I have a feeling. Is, is it the Hodges one or no? No, it's not Hodges. It's one of your outfielders. I, I know. I know it's Pedro Guerrero. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, um, I had Willie Davis, who was another uh, LA Dodger. Another one I considered. Yeah. Okay. We were on the same, same. We're on the same. We're close. Go ahead. War between Hodges and Garvey is close. Um, 44.4 in 16 years for Hodges, 36.4 in 14 years for Garvey. Although I will note that at least one of the seasons that Hodges was quote unquote on the Dodgers was only like one, one or two games. 
we're going to go with Hodges because we both picked him. And in rare, other than in rare occurrences, we don't tend to revisit guys who we we both picked. But I am just curious as far as games played here. Hodges played in 2006 games with the with the Dodgers and Garvey with the Dodgers, which was uh, most of his career before he went to San Diego, 1,727. So that's like a 300, uh, just under a 300 game difference. So that's like a season and a half difference. Yeah. I mean, I, it is close. Steve Garvey's a hell of a player. Um, gold glove awards, although Hodges won a few gold glove awards when the, when the award first came out. It's really, really close, and maybe this is some of my bias because I've always been a Gil Hodges guy. I was so excited that he got into the Hall of Fame three years, two years ago, last year, actually, I guess 2022. I was doubly excited that uh, thanks to Arnie and our colleagues at the Sports History Network for setting it up, uh, Andrew and I and my wife, Allison, got to go to that Hall of Fame induction with uh, with, with press passes, which was an amazing day and something we hope to do again at some point soon. So... For all those reasons, I think we will stick with Hodges. But yeah, Garvey's close. I can definitely get on board with the fact that Garvey being close. Um, the other Hodges, thing by that- the way, Hodges, by the way, played one of the last games of the year, if not the last game of the year in 43, and then didn't play at all in 44 or 45 because of military service. So the other thing that's tempting to do when you deal with the Dodgers, and as I mentioned, we did we dealt with this a little bit when we talked about our um our all-time uh, New York National League team, Jackie Robinson in his career, in addition to all the other amazing things about Jackie Robinson, in a 10-season ten season uh, career from 47 to 56, he, and this is not just subbing, like there was a year, at his first year, where he was their regular first baseman. Then he was their regular second baseman for a few years. Then he was their regular, I believe it was left fielder for two or three years. And then he was their regular third baseman. So I'm always tempted to kind of get creative and use the, the versatility of Jackie Robinson, but it really didn't seem to work in this case. Cause um, so leave that kind of as it is. Um, the other one that I just kind of want to comment on is Pee Wee Reese, because I, I, I almost feel like Pee Wee Reese in a certain way, like maybe doesn't, you know, you kind of think that maybe he wasn't a great player since you know him more as the guy who was the supporter of, Jackie Robinson, but in in 16 seasons, he's got a 66.4 war with the Dodgers, and that's four. That's more than four a season. The next closest guy is in this book is Maury Wills with uh, 12 years and 31.9 war, so that's less than three. And I don't believe that anybody since then, um, since then, has sort of come close to that. So, despite the fact that he's better known for off the field things. I'm almost more, um, I'm, I'm comfortable with, uh, with Pee Reese being the, um, being the guy. So yeah, for the, for the, for the last outfield spot, I was obviously, I was with you on Koufax. I was with you on Snyder and going all the way back to Zach wheat for the, um, for the other outfield position. Who's the one Brooklyn Dodger that we have on the team before the fifties. I was comfortable with those. So really it just gets to, um, it just gets the outfield and you had Pedro Guerrero and I had Willie Davis two LA Dodgers. So uh, what are your thoughts? So if you look at Davis does seem to have him quite a bit in war Guerrero. It seems like when you look 
I, as I'm looking at this more, I, I'm not going to put up much of a fight on Davis. It seems like there might be a stronger case to be made for Davis, to be honest. Um, do you have the, the, the number comparisons there? Yeah. 11 years, 32.6 for Guerrero. So that's just under three, um, 14 years, 54.4 for Davis. That's just under four. Davis, two-time All-Star, uh, three-time Gold Gloves, stole 20 20-plus 20 bases in 11 uh, straight seasons. Guerrero played all over the place, third base, all three outfield positions, and first base. My guess, he had over he had 25 home runs or more four times with the Dodgers. My guess is Guerrero's got him in the power numbers, 171. That's closer than I thought, 171 to 154. Average 309 to 279. So Guerrero's got him in average. Um, and then I'd, I'd have to look at look on baseball reference for RBIs because the book doesn't have it. So, yeah, Davis is ninth with 849. Guerrero's 20th with 585. So, yeah, this this is looking more and more like Davis. All right. So we'll go with Davis and, uh, you know, a, a good, another really good team. We got Roy Campanella, Gil Hodges, Jackie Robinson, Ron Say. Pee Wee Reese, Zach Wheat, Duke Snyder, Willie Davis, and Sandy Koufax. Only two there, two guys there who were exclusively LA Dodgers, those being Say and Davis, although you obviously think of Koufax as more of a um more of an LA Dodger, much more obviously than a than a than a Brooklyn Dodger. Mm-hmm. You didn't really do much of anything until they got out to, to LA. It's it's always very interesting. I don't think there's been a Hall of Fame Dodgers position player since they moved to Los Angeles, at least not a guy who played the majority or the vast majority of his career there. The one who comes immediately to mind is Mike Piazza, but he, you know, is better known as a Met. So there's really it, it despite all the great pitching they've had, Koufax, Drysdale, Sutton, Kershaw, even guys like Fernando and Hershiser who aren't in the Hall of Fame, they've really they've had some very good position players, guys who won MVP, that type of thing, but they haven't had a surefire Hall of Fame position player play most or all of his career with the Dodgers uh, until, since they moved to Los Angeles. And that's, you know, getting on 70 years ago now. So, years, yeah. yeah. And they've been good, too. They've been crazy good. You know, they want to still one of the if you take out, you know, they're one of the best franchises in baseball since they moved to L.A. Forget about anything before that. Yeah, they won a title in the 50s, two in the 60s, uh, two in the 80s. And then they won one three years ago. Yeah. So they've been. They've been yeah. damn good. And and in a lot of situations, you'd have, I mean, Clayton Kershaw doesn't make this team or even get much consideration because it's literally Sandy Koufax he's going against. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Koufax would be, or I'm sorry, Kershaw would be second, in my opinion. Yeah. Even over yeah. Drysdale. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of teams, not just in this division, but I mean, how many teams do we think Kershaw would be the pitcher for? It's at least half. Yeah. It might be well more than half. It, it's probably closer to, to 20 or, or over 20 than it is to half. So, yeah. All right. So we've got a conversation that we have to have here, I think. But first, we need to talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks. And so let me pull up my list for the diamondbacks here and i'll just ask you to i hope we agree on a lot of these (laughs) so here's my list and it's it's actually a lot uh more modern than than you might think i didn't have many guys from the i i had a lot fewer guys from the 90s than i thought uh miguel montero 
Paul Goldschmidt, Cattell Marte, the aforementioned Matt Williams, Nick Ahmed at shortstop. My outfield is AJ Pollock, the aforementioned uh, Steve Finley, Louis uh, and Luis Gonzalez, and the pitcher is Randy Johnson. So we're eight of nine here. Montero, Goldschmidt, Mate, Williams, Ahmed, Gonzalez, Steve Finley, Randy Johnson, eight of nine. So the, the odds that, I mean, I assumed we were going to have Luis Gonzalez. We were going to have Randy Johnson. He was there, what, five years and won four Cy Youngs or four years and won four Cy Youngs or whatever it was, whatever insane number that, or no, he was there a little longer than that, right? He came to the team in... 99 he was traded by the mariners at the deadline he was the first guy to leave the the mariners griffey left after the 99 season a-rod left after the the 2000 season in his first four years with the team 99 2000 2001 2002 he was the cy young award winner all four years and then in 2003 He's hurt. He only pitches in 18, only makes 18 starts. And then in 04, at 40 years of age, in his last year with the Diamondbacks, he has another, you know, not not an incredibly sort of flooring year, but he still is 16 and 14 with a 2.6 ERA, starts 35 games. So he basically makes his turn every time around, leads the league in strikeouts with 290, and finishes second in 04, in the NL Cy Young Award uh, race, he finishes behind Clemens, who's with Houston. So, yeah, in six years, four Cy Youngs, leads him to a World Series, wins three games in that all one World Series. He's co-MVP with Kurt Schilling. So, yeah, I mean, the, and then he actually goes back to Arizona for two more years uh, after he leaves the Yankees for, for whatever that's worth. So, yeah, I mean, Schilling had some good years with the Diamondbacks, but it pales in comparison to Johnson and the idea that it would be anybody else is just preposterous. So it's, it's him. So I did have Justin Upton over Pollock. Um, I think Upton maybe gets a little punished just because he didn't live up to the expectations he was supposed to live up to, but he did still have, you know, seven or eight good years with the, um, he still did did have like seven or eight good years with Arizona. He's fifth all time in on base percentage for the franchise. He's sixth all time in uh, slugging percentage, OPS. He's fourth. So you know some of the more power numbers. He's up there. I think he made a few All Star teams. So I, I think he gets a little bit punished just based on not living up to those expectations. And certainly Pollock maybe on the balance had a better career, but I was just throwing in the consideration for Justin Upton. Pollock, 13.7 war in six years. That's a little over two. I'm sorry. No, that's Upton. I'm sorry. 13.7 in six years. That's that, that's like, you know, just short of two and a half. And then Pollock, seven and his war, seven years, his war is 18.7. And that's like just under, that's a little over two and a half. But you're right. Pollock is a one-time all-star and also wins a gold glove in his, his one really good year. In fact, the, the one year he plays more than 140 games is, uh, is 2015. Um, and that's when he makes his one all-star appearance and wins his only gold glove. Um, Upton, never a gold glover, but, um, does make, uh, does make a couple of all-star teams. 
yeah, I, I'm fine with Upton. We're really we're, we're picking between two guys who didn't really overly distinguish himself, but but I'm <laughs> fine with going with BJ Upton. Numbers are just a little All better. Right. All right. That makes our final Diamondbacks lineup. Miguel Montero, Paul Goldschmidt, Cattell Marte, Matt Williams. Matt Williams appears twice on this list. Um, Nick Ahmed, Luis Gonzalez, uh, Steve Finley, another guy who appears twice on this list. BJ Upton, uh, BJ replaces an AJ. So uh, BJ Upton gets it. And uh, the great Randy Johnson at pitcher. So I guess the first thing we want to do is rank these. I feel like Colorado's got to be five. Yeah, the Padres team is horrible, but they have Tony Gwynn and Dave Winfield. So I think the Rockies have to be five, but honestly, a relatively strong five for what they are. Yeah. And would you take, would you, I guess, see, I would go Arizona four because other than Randy Johnson, the rest of this team is pretty pedestrian. Whereas you Goldschmidt had some really nice years. Yeah, I'll give you Goldschmidt. But you figure in San Diego, you got two guys who are, you know, great, great players in Gwynn and Winfield. And then, you know, Machado has put up some great numbers so far. Tatis, despite his, you know, ringworm, um, has put up, you know, not great. He has put up some good numbers, too. So I would actually go Sandy. I would actually go Arizona four, San Diego three here. Arizona four, San Diego three. OK, yeah. But yeah and the Rockies five. Yeah. Then a big gap. Yeah, then a very big gap. And I have to say, this is actually not as close as I thought it would be. It's close, but it's not super, super close. This is not as close as when we did the NL East or when we did the AL uh, Central, two that we really debated over for a while. What are your thoughts on this? Because then I want to give you mine. I mean, the outfield for the Giants is so good. Yeah, that's sort of so good. And that's honestly, for a minute, I thought you were going to say, I mean, look, if you're just going to go every player and you go, oh, wow, Gil Hodges, really good player. Roy Campanella, really good player. Jackie Robinson, Pee Wee Reese, Ron Say. Those names might mean more than you know, Frankie Frisch or Matt Williams, or, you know, I know we didn't end up with these guys, but Travis, Travis Jackson or whatever, but Buster Posey, but before we go any further, let's not dismiss how good Buster Posey was. Buster Posey was a modern day, you know, legendary catcher, like legend, you know, in modern day sense, but like, let's not dismiss that. Now. Yeah. He didn't face, some of the adversity that Campanella did either on the segregation side mm-hmm. or on the, um, you know, the paralysis side, you know, you know, that tragic accident that brought Campanella's career to an end, but same type of thing, guy who's a catcher, a guy who hits for power and was good enough to win an MVP as a catcher. Now Campanella won three, but yeah, that's, that's closer than you might think. And Posey's going to be in the hall of fame. And, you know, I just I look and I say and we could talk all day. Honestly, the pitching is a very good discussion because Koufax was probably the most dominant pitcher over an eight year span or seven, whatever years it was that we've seen pretty much ever. Christy Matthewson was that dominant. Much different era, but 
for longer, if he was a hair less than Koufax was in his prime, which he might not have been, but let's say he was, because who was a lot, you know what I mean? He did it for a long time in a, in, you know, and I know pitching wasn't easy in the fifties and sixties when Sandy Koufax was doing it, but pitching was also really not easy when he, when Christy Matthewson was doing it, it was easier in the course of a game because of the dead ball era. But in the course of a career with what the toll it took on your arm with the amenities, the lack of any sort of medical, you know what I mean? They would send him into pitch and relief the day after he pitched a complete game. So that's a discussion. And then the other thing I wanted to mention, people don't understand how good Melot was. Everybody's going to understand. I mean, obviously, people listening to this podcast might have more of a sense of it. People know Barry Bonds. People know Willie Mays. People don't know just how good for just how long Mel Ott was between 1926 and 1947. He played forever. He was 17 when he came up. He was 38 when he retired. He hit 511 home runs. He had to have been the National League leader when he retired, right? Yeah, late 40s. I can't think of who the heck else it would have been over 500. Absolutely. Career 304 hitter, 414 on base percentage. He finished. He's an all-star how many times in a row? Never won an MVP, but he was fifth. He was sixth. He was seventh. He was fourth. He was third. Um, He's clearly the third in this outfield, but he's a generational player. He might not be an all-time god, but he's the next rung down. Yeah, and the other thing I would add to that is you talk about people don't know how good Mel Ott was. I think there's a lot of people who dismiss how good Willie McCovey was. Now McCovey's got mm-hmm. this weird thing for for a guy who played and this isn't this isn't a mini Venoso Satchel Page type of thing where the guy, you know, came back for a a day for a guy who played in four different decades. He played for 59 to 80. He only made six all-star teams. So there's a little bit of a, a strange, um, a strangeness to the McCovey career early in his career. They were trying to find a, they were basically platooning him and Orlando Cepeda at first base. So in 62, when, um, when, uh, the team that makes the world series McCovey only appears in 91 games for the giants because they just, you know, there's no DH and they're, they're trying to figure out a spot for both him and for Orlando. Cepeda Cepeda eventually ends up getting traded to St. Louis, but you're talking home run numbers here for McCovey 44, 39, 39, 36. And some of these are when pitching is dominant 1968, the year of the pitcher, when you got Bob Gibson and Don Drysdale in the national league, McCovey's got 36 home runs and 105 RBIs, leads baseball in both 545 slugging, 656, 612 MVP with the Giants in 69. So I love Gil Hodges, but McCovey is a much, much better offensive player than Gil Hodges. So that's another one people don't realize. And just to add sort of one other aspect to this. Mays, Bonds, and Ott are all much, much better than Wheat, Snyder, or uh, Willie Davis. Mays, Bonds, and Ott are the three best position players on this list. On um, You mean between the Giants and the Dodgers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah. 
So the Dodgers are very, very good, but the Giants all-time starting nine is better. Absolutely. All right, so we've got one le- more thing left to do here, and that's to, to come up with our, uh, our our ranking of six. of the. We started this. We did a couple episodes in April. We did a couple episodes over the summer. We're doing a couple episodes now. So let me just give you all of the lineups, and we will start with the American League East was Yogi Berra, Lou Gehrig, Tony Lazari, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, and Whitey Ford. The American League Central was the Detroit Tigers, and that's Bill Freehand, Hank Greenberg, Charlie Geringer, Alan Trammell, Miguel Cabrera, Ty Cobb, Al Kaline, and Hal Newhauser. We went with Newhauser over Verlander there. In the American League West, it's the Athletics franchise. Mickey Cochran, Jimmy Fox, Eddie Collins, Frank Home Run Baker, Burt Campanaris, Al Simmons, Ricky Henderson, Reggie Jackson, and Lefty Grove. National League in the East, the Atlanta Braves with Joe Torre, Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, Eddie Matthews, Rabbit Moranville, Hank Aaron, Andrew Jones, Dale Murphy, and Warren Spahn. NL Central is the Cardinals. Benji, I'm sorry, Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, Rogers Hornsby, Ken Boyer, Ozzie Smith, Stan Musial, Enos Slaughter, Lou Brock, and Bob Gibson. And finally, that we just did in the National League West, the Giants, Buster Posey, Willie McCovey, Frankie Frisch, Matt Williams, George Davis, Willie Mays, Barry Bonds, Mel Ott, and Christy Mathewson. So this is going to be sort of by its nature a little bit imperfect, especially because, you know, having already recorded two episodes, we're not looking to to reinvent the wheel here. The first thing that jumps out at me, I kind of feel like the the Braves might be sixth. So I kind of ranked the leagues as you were saying them. I knew we weren't. That's not how we were going to do it. But I ranked each league one through three. I did have the Braves third in the National League. And I'm not rotating like league by league. I feel like the Braves and the Tigers are five and six. Yeah. You know, maybe the Tigers are six. I mean, pitching with the Tigers brings it down a little bit, I think. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, we could, it could have been Verlander, although Verlander was the was his best years were with Houston. Pitching does bring the Tigers down a little bit. Trammell's a Hall of Famer, but he's not a dominant Hall of Famer. Same thing with Charlie Geringer. Um, yeah, I mean, other than Cobb, there's not really a sort of a a definite Hall of Famer God. there. I'm sorry. A god, a baseball god, yeah, a, a pantheon guy. The Braves, I guess, you know, if you could say Warren Spawn is one, and Aaron mm-hmm. obviously is one. Eddie Matthews is close. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd rather have Warren Spawn than Hal Newhouser or Justin Verlander, although it's close. So, yeah, I guess we could go Detroit six. Six is Detroit, and five is Atlanta. So that leaves us with the Cards, the Giants, the Yankees, and the A's. 
I want to say the Cardinals are next. I had them in the A's in my next tier. Ken Boyer is not a Hall of Famer, nor is Burt Campanaris. Lefty Grove and Bob Gibson are really close. Ozzie Smith is great player, but more one-dimensional. This is a tough one. Um, you agree they're three and four. I do agree that they're three and four, and it's ironic because we did these all together. Five and six we did <laughs> in the same night. Three and so I'm I'm turning over the same piece of paper here for these guys, but it's I think we're giving it an honest shake. Um, God, Burt Campanaris just stands out like a sore thumb. I you know I feel like we got to put. Oakland third because every guy there is an all-time great. Here's what I'm going to say though. I almost think you put Oakland over the Giants. Really? So 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 I think the Cardinals are going to be third. We're we're in agreement Cardinals on be fourth. Cardinals are going to be fourth. I'm sorry. Cardinals are going to be fourth. Yeah. So Tigers, Braves, Cardinals is the second division as they say. Yes. All right. So and I guess you're kind of tipping your hand if we're going to argue over who's in second. Yeah. You see, the thing is with the Yankees, there's no weak link in the whole lineup. Now, if we were to maybe do this, second base. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, though, and he's probably even though he didn't get in until 50 years after he retired. Lazari, I think, is a hall is a deserving Hall of Famer. I'm just saying comparably. Yeah. Garcia Parra is never going to the Hall of Fame. And then with the. Um, Garcia Parra. I'm sorry, not Garcia Parra. Um, I was looking to my right. It's uh, we've been doing this for a while tonight, folks. Actually, compared to recent history, yeah, this actually isn't really, bad. But... This actually isn't bad for us. <laughs> um, I met I met Campanaris is never going to the Hall of Fame, nor is um Matt Williams. So that was sort of my thought there. Um, whereas now the one thing I will say is that. You know, I love Whitey Ford, but he is not he is not Christy Matthewson and he's not no. Lefty Grove. So that to me is almost enough to to maybe try and consider the Yankees a little lower. I also just don't want to get into the cliche. Oh, well, they're Yankee fans, so they pick the Yankees. But I, I do feel like Ruth and Mantle kind of, you know. Well, here's here's what I would say vis-a-vis the Giants for a minute. If you were to say the outfield is a wash, and I don't know that I agree with that, but if you were to say the outfield is a wash, right? Yeah, and it might be. Okay, so let's call it a wash. It's definitely not a win for the Giants. Like, it's not a clear win for the Giants. These three teams are all really close. But but so what I'm saying is just vis-a-vis the Giants, then you go to the infield, and the infield... The catcher, Bear is a big... Bozy's a great catcher. Bear is a lot better. First base is Gehrig. Cepeda was a great player. Gehrig is, is better than Cepeda. Shortstop, you got Jeter over... Uh, George Davis. Who was from the 1900s. Third 1800s, base is A-Rod. Yeah. 1800s. Third base is A-Rod over Matt Williams. I I, I think... It's. Just, I think the Yankees are clear of the Giants, even if you consider the outfield a wash and the pitching a big edge to the Giants. I still think the Yankees clip them. And I agree. So the Giants, are, the Giants are third. 
you have the A. You're, you're going to try to argue the A's above the Yankees now. I think the only reason you can't do it is because of Bert Campanaris. I mean, if you look at this, Cochran and Berra is close. It's hard because they played in different eras. Cochran was not really a huge power hitter, but still, that's really close. They're both two of probably the best, you know, five or six best catchers of all time. Gehrig and Fox were contemporaries. I think Fox has more career home runs. Let's take a look at that here. Now we're not, I guess we're only talking their career during the, during the team that they were on. And so, okay. Well, so, okay. So here's why you put Gehrig over Fox. Fox was on the Red Sox for seven years and hit another 220 home runs. So, so that's why Gehrig gets it over Fox. Yeah. Eddie Collins. Now again, same thing. Eddie Collins, a lot of his great years were with the White Sox. So, you know, and Ricky Henderson, same thing, although most, you know, Reggie, same thing. The Yankees get it. Now, I guess. The only one on the Yankees who spent any time on another team. Well, Ruth and A-Rod and A-Rod. Yeah. So then here's the question. I still think you put the A's second because you got eight Hall of Famers there. And. Matt Williams is not a Hall of Famer and George Davis, maybe he should be, you know, as a 19th century guy is not a Hall of Famer. I still think based on Lefty Grove. And jeez, See, every single one of these guys on the A's put up numbers somewhere else. That's yeah. Now, let me let me also proffer another thing to you. Yeah. Mr. Mack in his suit and his gentlemanly demeanor is going to get his trousers removed by the one true manager. John Joseph McGraw. Yes. There is but one. And Connie Mack himself said there's but one manager and his name is McGraw. Except I'm not sure. I'm not sure that was him. And I'm not sure he actually said it, even if it was him. But um, and we're not factoring that in. But other than that, um, did, so, and I, did I, they they never played in the World Series, did they or did they played no five? And McGraw won. I think they might have played. They played 11, too. Didn't they, they played in 11 one? and the, the A's won that one. Yeah. Did they play in was thir- was 13 the same two teams? I think it might have been. Or was 13 because so, they 13 was those eight. Those A's teams made like a bunch of worlds. Yeah, 13 was the A's. The A's won. Okay, so the Mac beat him twice. Um, yeah, and you know, geez, you know, I think I got to. No, I'm still going to say Oakland is second, but it's damn. I go with I go with the I go with the Giants second, but we're not going to resolve that. So you could still say the same thing about a lot of the guys in the Giants that they did a lot of their stuff elsewhere. Bonds. Frankie Frisch, even McCovey to a certain extent. So that's a big two, though. Not the big two. Mays and Ott. And Matthewson. Mays and Matthewson. Matthewson. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We we can call that a tie for second if it'll make you feel uh, satisfied. That's fine. So Yankees, Giants, A's, Cardinals, Braves, Tigers is the order that I have written down. Yeah, and I would consider swapping the A's and the Giants. All right, now we'll go to the second place teams. 
<laughs> well, just real quick, the best second place team. We're not going to do this for every single one, but the best second place team. Red Sox. Be, probably the Red Sox. Yeah, you, I think you could make a strong case for the Cubs also with, uh, you know, Ernie Banks, Cap Anson, uh, mm-hmm. Billy Williams, Ron Santo, Ryan Sandberg. But yeah, Boston probably gets it, especially with, uh, you know, with with Williams and, um, you know, with Ted Williams probably pushes them over the edge. And then the only other thing I would say is who's the who do you think the best last place team is that we had? Uh, I'm looking at Tampa, Colorado, Florida, the Royals. Um, who was fifth? The Angels. I'm going to proffer that it might be Milwaukee with two really solid Hall of Famers who played most of their career in Milwaukee with Paul Molitor and Robin Yount. Um, and then two other guys in uh, Christian Yelich and uh, Ryan Braun who won MVPs with the Marlins. That, that's probably a good point. It could, could also be Anaheim. But, yeah, I, I think probably probably the Brewers. So, yeah. All right. Well, this that was feels fun. like a long time ago. We did that one. Yeah, that was like April. Yeah, that was that was a really <laughs> long time ago. So we did one to coincide with the beginning of the season. We did one, you know, two to coincide with the beginning of the season. We did two to coincide with sort of the summer and, and the, you know, around the all-star break. And we did two to coincide with the, the postseason in the World Series. So this was fun. We love doing lists and it's 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 becoming a challenge to come up with new lists to do. But uh, so if anybody has any suggestions, hello, old sports at gmail.com. But uh, this was good. Uh, we had a lot of fun with this and uh, it's been a fun six episodes. So uh, I guess uh, anything to add before we sign off? No, no, I um I was kind of looking. I knew we were doing the two divisions tonight, but I was also kind of looking forward to sort of the synthesis at the end. So I think that was fun, too. Cool. All right. Well, until next time, uh, we appreciate you listening as always. Enjoy the the October of great sports month, great baseball postseason month. And we'll uh, we'll see you around the way. I'm Dan Newman. And I'm Andrew Newman. Goodbye, old sports. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. With every race, every qualifying run, and every pit stop, Tim Coffeen would feel the pressure and excitement. With his own podcast on the Sports History Network called Tim Coffeen Talks IndyCar and Racing History, Tim will share those very same racing emotions and memories with his listeners. Learn, laugh, and enjoy the world of IndyCar racing through the eyes of Tim Coffeen. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.